0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sit Still with Sierra, or welcome back if you've been here before. My name is Sierra Lyons, your host, and today you're in for a special treat. Um, If you listened to last episode, which you definitely should, um, I kind of told my story with having low self-esteem and just body image issues in general, and I mentioned that I wanted to have some people come on and share their perspectives as well, which is what we are digging into today. I have a special guest here to tell her story and to just Talk about body shame in general, but before we get into that, make sure you are following the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Sipsville with Sierra, and make sure you are following us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you can hear as soon as the new episode premieres. Awesome. Okay, now that we got all of the, you know, little logistics out of the way, um, I'm going to kind of introduce our guests and we're going to just dive right in. So when I mentioned before that I wanted to have people come on and share different perspectives, I really thought it was important to include different body types, you know, different insecurities that people may have, and to just be very diverse and represent a vast majority of people rather than just telling my story. Um, our guest is in her burkin with journalism. We actually met last year when I transferred to the university that I'm at now. She is editor-in-chief of our university student-run magazine, award-winning magazine and she is currently online news association student representative um she has a podcast of her own which we will definitely plug at the end but ayana are you there online hey i'm here how are you i'm doing good i
1: think you know quarantine has been crazy the last five months have been crazy but overall it's odd to say but i like had a really like nice reflected last five months you know
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome, yes, because I know some people are not doing well mentally, so that's good to hear that you've been able to have kind of like a reflective period. Um, We just want to dive into this conversation, so before we even talk about any of that, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and why I have you on this specific episode? Yeah, most
1: definitely. So I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and then I transferred to Florida University Oh, not one or like two years ago. Wow, crazy to say that, but <laughs> basically, I'm a journalism student, also have an extreme love for fashion and clothes um and I'm here because you know I'm a five foot ten plus size black woman, and that alone I feel like is something I've carried around, just you know being so larger than life in a sense, and so that mm-hmm. comes with a lot of insecurity, especially you know growing up in Miami where the majority of the population was Hispanic, and most Hispanic people that I grew up around were tiny, like five foot one, five foot two, even their parents, like, were no bigger than five five, so it was very interesting to, you know, always be larger than everyone else around you.
0: Yes, and can I just say, when I first met you, because I'm five eight, but I, like, my height has been something I've been insecure about in the past, but... Um, when I saw you the first time at a meeting at school you were wearing heels, I was like, oh, my God, does she have the confidence to wear heels and she's tall? Like, that's something that me and my sister always talked about because she's 5'10 as well. And she's like, just wear heels if you want to wear heels. And I was like, I felt too insecure because everyone around me is so short already and I'm, like, staggering over them. So when I saw you, I was, like, in awe, honestly. <laughs> I was like, wow, a fellow tall girl wearing heels. That is, like, surprisingly something a lot of people have actually told me when I got to Diego, mm-hmm.
1: and I think it was something I just kind of decided one day. I was like, I like to wear heels, so I'm going to wear heels, and I'm not going to, like, I know, that like, when I was younger, wearing heels was an insecurity just because of, like, boys, like, boys were mm-hmm. shorter. So it was always like, I don't want to wear heels because I don't want to be too tall for the boys. And I'm like, forget it. Like, I just, they're tall men, so, like, why, <laughs> why not wear heels? So, definitely. Yeah.
0: I love that so much. Um, So, I actually was reading one of your articles on Journey Magazine's website, which I'm gonna have linked on our social media pages. So I don't want to like spill all the beans from the article, but I want everyone to go and read that. You know, when you get the chance after you listen to this podcast, maybe. But the title of the article is "The Public Scale Begin My Body Image Issues," and I remember reading that a few months ago in quarantine. And I was like, wow, like there's you know, I'm not the only one who had like, a negative story or, like, a negative feeling associated with stepping publicly on a scale and not really liking the number that I saw. So can you just kind of summarize that story and just tell us um, how old were you when you started feeling that shame associated with stepping on the scale? Yeah, like, it's crazy that,
1: you know, you don't realize that how things affect you until it's, like, way too late. But mm-hmm. I feel like that feeling of stepping on a scale publicly has always been something I have been, like, desperately afraid of. And that was surprisingly something we had to do often in public school. Like, I, like, just mentioned to a friend a couple of days ago basically explaining that I remember that the first moment I was, like, recalled of me being fat or bigger than someone else was, like, in third grade when they made us go to the library and, like, get on a scale in front of everyone and oh, show wow. ourselves. And I remember being so uncomfortable because like we were in third grade, like all my friends gave, like one ten, one fifteen, and then I was one fifty. So I was like, Okay, this is awkward as I don't know what and I remember lying to my friends, being like, Yeah, one thirty and they're like, Yeah, 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 like they didn't think twice about it, but like from that moment I was like already like lying about my life and that's something like I even now after going to therapy realizing like, you know, hiding yourself. And so I think I've always like kind of felt that pain or shame when it comes to mm-hmm. body image and my weight in the scale because, you know, I've been hopping on scales my entire life and then the public one was just something that I realized after surprisingly doing um, we were assigned an assignment in my literature class and she asked us to pick an emotion and pick an inanimate object. And I don't know why, but my first thought was like the public scale and it was so random. But I ended up doing that for an actual like literature. Essay that was like five pages long, super ridiculous. But then I was like, I want to transfer this into an article because I feel like it's something I want to touch on. And that's when I was able to kind of dig deeper and realize wow, I didn't realize I was holding so many like feelings towards this inanimate object in one of my favorite um, markets. Like, yeah, but it definitely was just a reminder that like I was different, and I think that was the biggest thing for
0: Mm -hmm. me. That's so interesting that you say um, back to third grade because I was thinking about kind of like when I first started having like negative thoughts towards my body as well or like when people's comments really started to impact me and I say it was like when I was 10 years old in fifth grade and thinking about that perspective of like you being in third grade which meant you were probably eight or nine years old and me being in fifth grade like 10, 11 years old, it's just crazy that at such a young age we already had high expectations placed in our bodies from external sources like you know people making comments or from what we saw on tv it's just crazy when you like when i think back or see pictures of me in the fifth grade i'm like i looked completely fine but if you were able to like take a look inside of my brain and like hear my thoughts when i was in fifth grade you would have thought i was like a monster or something the way that i just berated myself and talked down to myself um why do you think it is that from such a young age, we struggle with this? Like the obvious answer would be, you know, people make really gross comments sometimes about your body unwarranted, but like, what is it? Like there's something wrong there where you can be a little kid where you should be focusing on playing and coloring and just doing normal kid things. But so much of your time is spent thinking negatively about your body. Yeah. I
1: think it, honestly, there's so many angles that play into it. Of course it's, society and like the public image like when you're watching those music videos or the Disney channel shows and you want to be just like those girls they're all very skinny and so off that like your favorite TV show characters they don't look like you and so that immediately makes you think okay well if I don't look like them that means I'm not the Disney princess or I'm not pretty enough and then it's just also like of course you know like that heteronormative um push on us because like even like from a young age you especially if you know you like boys like you that's a direct connection especially as a kid like everyone's looking for that validation outwardly because like when you're eight you're not thinking about yeah let me find self-love and that's just unfortunately what it is because Mm -hmm. you know you're looking for your friends to you know say you look pretty you're looking for other boys the girls to say you look good and that is a big issue because you know we're taught so young that this is what is pretty, and it's, like, skinny, and it's usually not black. So it's, like, a lot of those things that played into, especially being a black girl that, you know, wasn't super, super thin, or even just being a black girl in general. Because, you know, we're taught from a young age, especially in a lot of rural areas, like, this is what is the standard, and this is what you should want. And so you just, you feel that, and it becomes present because the people, the boys that you like don't like you back. They're liking someone else. And I think, especially when I was younger, that was like my biggest issue is that I wanted to be liked, not only from my boys, but from all my friends. And I worked so hard to be liked that you kind of start erasing yourself. And I feel like that is just true for what it is. You, you're playing this game of wanting to be wanted versus finding that want within yourself. And it's, people try to say, like, oh, yeah, it can come from within, but like when you're so young, and you're not with your parents, but like when you're at school, you're not thinking about, yeah, my mom loves me, so it's fine. Like, yeah. That's not a thought process. Like, when you go home, because everyone's like, oh, probably just had those like, issues within your parents. It's like, no, I have two loving parents that supported me. They maybe had moments where they did harm, but overall, they supported me and loved me like no one else, but it's just, you know, we're kids We're growing up. We're seeing movies and TV shows, and then we have some people that will say mean things to you at school, so it's just it's literally our environment, and it's unfortunate that it is not changing as quickly as it needed to.
0: Mhm. It's interesting because um, that you even say that because last episode I was talking about not making comments about other people's bodies. Like I don't know where we kind of came to a point in society where we just thought that it was okay to make comments. I I said last episode, good or bad, and that might sound extreme to some people, but just because a person went from being a bigger size to smaller, that doesn't mean that it was necessarily healthy. That doesn't mean that mentally they are stable. That doesn't mean that they are not struggling with an eating disorder or anything like that. So I just made the blanket statement that we just shouldn't comment on other people's bodies. And that may sound too radical or that may sound too extreme, but it's little comments like that, like comments that you heard from, being an elementary school, or comments that I heard when I was in elementary school that sticks with you for a really long time. I talked about it took me up until last year to really undo some of the comments that I was um, that I was told when I was ten years old, and that was ten years later. Um, I was yeah. twenty years old dealing with comments from when I was ten years old. So I don't know. I am in full support of just don't talk about other people's bodies unless you have that relationship with that person where you know without a shadow of a doubt that they are going to be okay with you saying something about their body, or if, if they ask you to give your opinion, that's different. But it's just crazy how people's comments, like it can seem very minuscule to them. Like they'll just make this comment. They don't really think anything of it, but you'll be thinking about what they said for the rest of the day, or you'll be thinking about it for years. So I just think that going forward, when we are going to approach the conversation of body image, I just think it's best that we just speak on our own bodies. Don't talk about anybody else's body because most times it's a reflection of someone else's insecurities they feel the need to comment on your body because they feel insecure about their own and i found myself like if i'm scrolling on social media and i see a person's body and think something critical of it i literally stop myself and i'm like why did i feel the need to think that about that random person that i don't even know that well in most cases it's because i'm feeling inadequate or i'm feeling insecure so I just think that that's a rule of thumb that we need to use going forward. And like you said, um, being within the black community and the standards that we put on our own selves within the community, obviously I was bullied for being skinny, but I'm not gonna even begin to try and compare that to people that are bigger or plus size or if they label themselves as fat. I know that that is completely different. It's not the same as you know society telling you since you're little that skinny is the standard. So I'm in no way, I just want to give that disclaimer, comparing my um, my journey of being bullied for being skinny with someone who was bullied for being bigger, because society as a whole is a lot more accepting of skinnier, slimmer body types. So I just want to give that disclaimer that I don't think it is equivalent anyway. Um, I kind of want to go back to when you talked about the public scale, or just the scale in general, um, mm-hmm. and how much focus was placed on those ways of measuring your health, because as we are progressing now as a society, we're coming to learn that the number on the scale does not necessarily um, mean health. It's not synonymous to meaning that you're healthy. So how much focus um, when you were younger and trying to get to, I guess, the quote unquote healthy state, how much focus was placed on like counting calories or the number on the scale week in, week out? Yeah, it
1: definitely was, that number on the scale was, like, the biggest thing. That was always, like, my main focus. And it was, like, if I didn't lose, a pound, it means, like, it basically felt worthless. It just, like, said harsh on myself. Mm -hmm. That's just what it was because that was the only measurement I was using. I wasn't thinking, oh, let me, like, have a tape measure and measure, like, my waist and my thighs and do, like, amazing inches because that actually means you're losing weight. Because sometimes when when your body changes, you may not be losing physical pounds. But your body shape is changing, and that's something I, like, eventually learned in my pushover. But even still to this day, like, when I was younger, the biggest thing –
0: can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yes, I can hear you.
1: Okay. So, yeah, the biggest thing I learned um, was that, like, that number was killing me. And, like, it sounds absurd to say it like that, but it's just the truth of the matter. I put so much pressure on myself. lose pounds and i remember being so proud when i would lose pounds but that was also like harmful to myself because if i gained a pound back like i still could have been losing weight but it just could have been like muscle or something but i didn't Mm -hmm. think that deep into it it was just like okay by getting another pound back you're worthless like and it was just harmful rhetoric to have at such a young age like i don't recall a time where i didn't like you know have a diet app on my phone and like. That's, like, all the back when I had a phone, like, in middle school and high school, especially if like I was always counting calories, I was always concerned with what I was eating, and I was never, like, really able to focus on being happy because I was so always thinking, like, I connected everything to my weight, you know, and that mm-hmm. was insecurity, so I feel like, you know, the scale really was the beginning of it all for me, and there was a point in time where I stopped getting on the scale and things got better, but I'm going to go back to the scale, so like, I just, I've always had a scale around, that's a good thing, too, like, whether I was going to public, there's always a scale in my mom's bathroom, there was a scale in my bathroom, there's a scale in my bathroom right now in my college apartment, so it's, like, that scale is, like, never leaving me, which is kind mm-hmm. of sad, but it's just, like, it's basically been there my entire life, like, it's so weird to think about.
0: Interesting, and... Interesting that you mentioned, um, like, the dieting apps on your phone and things like that. Can you just kind of go into a little bit more detail about that? Like, was that to count calories? Was that to keep track of um, how much you're eating in a day? What was that?
1: Yeah, so it definitely was a mixture of both of keeping track of how much I was eating in a day and also counting my calories. Um, I think it's called my fitness MyFitnessPal. I've had the same one, basically, mm-hmm. all my life. It's kind of funny. But and it's, like, not funny to joke about, but the TikTok has, like, been a huge help with that because it made me realize I'm not alone. Like, I um, follow a lot of pages, you know, that struggle with, like, healthy eating, being, like, losing weight, that kind of stuff. And so it was, like, a joke. It was, like, yeah, let's confuse the people that have, like, normal, like, relationships with their bodies. And then it was, like, the MyFitnessPal app. It was rice cakes. It was, like, water and gum. And it was, like, oh, my gosh. if I feel seen. But that's really it. Like, I use my fitness style for everything. And basically, you could enter what you ate that day. It kept up with, like, calories. You could also enter, like, diary entries and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, none of, like, the counting calories and stuff works for me just so I can, like, eye what I've been eating because I do overeat a lot. But I think if anything, it was just a reminder, like, if I ate bad that day. Like, I'll never forget whenever I ate bad. I did not want to enter it into my fitness pal, because I was like, no, I ate, like, shitty food. I don't want to do that. And it just, like, reminded me that I was hiding it. So, it's like, I was hiding it with myself, which is crazy. No one else is looking at that app. But if I, like, if I ate pizza that day, I wouldn't put it in my fitness pal. So then in my head, I could sort of be like, oh, well, I ate this much calories. So I still, was, like, I still ate a good amount of calories that were healthy. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I knew I ate pizza that day. So it was just very a toxic relationship with that app that I still have on my phone that I still regularly use but that's something I'm choosing to do you know and like build relationships like if I eat donuts I'm going to put it down in my business now so I think the evolution of that has been helpful but especially Mm -hmm. when I was younger it was like a constant like lying to myself which was weird
0: yeah and I found it interesting that you said that you're like you didn't want to enter it if you ate something bad you're kind of hiding it from yourself because no one else was obviously looking at the app on your phone but talking about body shame in this episode in general just seeing how we've progressed in the conversation from it came from it it began as like you know stupid little comments that kids would make when we were younger but now it's like the body shame is coming from our own selves because like you said no one else is looking at your phone to track the app with you. It was it was all, you know, it was all on you. So I just think that it's interesting how our body shame can start out as it's coming from other people and then before we know it, it's our own selves who are being extremely hard on ourselves or we're being extremely um just holding ourselves in a position that we can't uphold. Like it's okay if you slip up sometimes and eat the wrong thing. But, you know, probably in your head when you were dealing with that, it was like I can never eat anything that's sugary or eat anything that is like pizza or fattening or anything that's considered unhealthy. And it's just sad. Um, In hindsight, like looking back, it's sad. The extremes that I went through as well to like, to try and gain weight, like super unhealthy. I talked about it last episode, like using pills that were not even FDA approved that were sketchy. Like looking back, I'd slap myself for that. and be like, why would you do that? And maybe looking back, you may regret like, why was I that hard on myself? But in the moment, it seems a lot larger than if you were looking from an outside perspective, which is kind of what I, what I want to ask you next is, were your parents aware of, you know, the thoughts that you were having or how you were obsessively, you know, tracking what you were eating and counting calories in an unhealthy way? Were they aware of what was going on? Or did you kind of try and keep that hidden from them? What was it? Yeah, so I definitely
1: think there's a ladder I would hide everything. And even now that I'm becoming more open to my parents about the whole situation growing up, about my weight, I started going to therapy so I've gotten more comfortable talking about it. And, like, my mom, even, like, the other day, just she just like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't know you we were feeling that way. Like, I didn't know, like, we were also being harmful when we were mentioning your weight. And I think no parent, like, is ever commenting, well, not ever, but, like, my parents were never commenting on my weight in a negative manner. They just knew, like, health-wise and career-wise, like, the things mm-hmm. I wanted to do and the places I wanted to go, like, people were superficial. So it was, like, you, like, this is what you want to do, so you need to make this decision. And so, like, losing weight is always something I wanted to do, but I think it was, like, a lot of, like, I would put too much pressure on myself. So my parents definitely were unaware of how, like, upset it would make me and, like, how exhausting it was you know, for myself mm-hmm. eventually because eventually it stopped being like and it's so like kind of having that realization that, you know, but you those younger moments were so like such a foundational part of your insecurities and then your mindset. And then to like grow up and like have people, like, like you and be interested in you as a person, a human being, but now you're just so deep into that, like, well, no one could ever be attracted to me. No one could ever like me as a person because of that. And so as I got older, like, high school, I can always say, like, on the outside I was so, you know, happy, so lucky, but on the inside I was so unhappy. And I took that out more so when I was at home because, you know, I didn't want my friends to see this side of me. And so I think my parents, I realized when I got older, like there was some sort of issues I had, but I think there was just so many years of like hiding so many pieces of myself, you know, because Mm -hmm. of my weight and because of my insecurities that eventually like you just like, you explode, like you can't hold it in anymore. And I finally had like a healthy um, conversation with my parents about it. I was just like, you know, you guys constantly remind me about my weight. There's nothing for me losing weight if anything that made it, harder for me because it just every day was just a reminder that like I was some sort of failure because of this and they're like obviously I'm not a failure but I look like, I know I'm not a failure in the general sense but in my mind like I'm a failure when it comes to losing weight like I can't do it and mm-hmm. that is like so upsetting because I don't like to not be successful in anything I do and I think that is always like, the hardest thing to come to terms with
0: mm-hmm. and it's so important to have if it's not your parents necessarily, I know everyone doesn't have a good relationship with their parents, but it's important to have at least one person you trust. Like you mentioned that you go, you started going to therapy, so that's obviously someone you talk to, but for the people listening, like if this is something you're still actively going through um, and you don't really know how to get through it, finding at least one person that you feel comfortable talking about it with, where you don't feel like they're going to be super judgmental of you, or you feel like they're going to be um super critical of you, finding people that or just one person that you can confide in is so important because so much of the struggle with body, shame, and body image is the external part is the internal part. I'm sorry, is the mental part because, like you m- mentioned, like outside, when you're at school, you look happy, you look fine, but meanwhile, you're having the whole battle going on in your mind about how you feel about yourself and how you really think of yourself. So for anybody listening that's still going through this, uh, first off, you're not alone. This is something that I mentioned before. It's, it's, it's fluid. Like, there are going to be good days. There are going to be bad days. Um, I'm definitely in a better mental headspace than I was before, um, just three years ago, two years ago. But that doesn't mean that I don't still have really bad days where it's hard. But finding someone that you can talk to and that you trust, if it's a friend, if it's a therapist, if it's a parent, I really, really want to encourage you to do that because that does so much. Um, just to be able to let out what you're feeling inside. Um, it in your article that, again, I want everyone to go and read, after you're done listening to this um, podcast on the public scale, you, you mentioned um, going through a period of depression and binging. And, of course, you can go into detail as much as you feel comfortable. But can you just kind of talk about, um, first off, how old you were when that began and kind of how you worked through that or how that was for you?
1: Yeah, um, so this is something I've been, like, teetering on, and I think I might have something since this past year. Because as I got older, I'm, it's crazy to think that I'm a very, like, introspective person, so I'm very much aware of, like, all the qualities and, like, harmful qualities I have against myself. But, you know, I didn't realize them when I was younger. And I remember talking to my mom recently about, basically, I remember, I don't even know what I was feeling back then, but I remember... Like this direct connection, like, we were at, uh, I was, like, having a hangout with a couple friends, and they ordered pizza, and I remember, I think I ate, like, it was, like, a medium-sized pizza, but, still you know, like, a whole mm-hmm. pizza, and I was, like, in elementary school, and I remember, like, I don't even, like, it's, like, I don't even remember doing it, but I did it, you know? And then mm-hmm. I remember having to, like, overhear the babysitter that was watching, I was, like, telling my parents, like, she ate a whole box of pizza, like, what are you going to do? And I think that's like the first moment I can like still pinpoint in my mind. But like ever since then, it's been a constant struggle that I've now become aware of that I do when I feel anxious or I feel overwhelmed or I'm sad or I'm angry. Like that was something that I could go to because I spent so many days of the week. Like I would, my process would always be like, okay, well, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to start my new diet. I'm going to lose this weight. So I cut out everything cold turkey, like no carbs, no, no sugar, no anything. And like, I basically like don't eat, you know? So I would go like days go like, I only eat like 500 calories, 600 calories. When like, wow. when you're trying to actively lose weight, you need to at least minimum lose, like 1200. And that's like minimum. Like I've now learned, like with my body type, I need to be eating almost closer to 2000 calories a day if I want to actively lose weight. And that's what I've been working on. But even getting to that, point is still a struggle for me because I was so used to you know staying under a thousand calories staying under 1200 calories mm-hmm. so I would go days like that where I wouldn't eat I was like um to myself the things I wanted and then of course you're gonna like have a huge issue and then I would like binge and I would just like eat everything in sight until I was sick and then sometimes I would end up growing up sometimes I would force myself to throw up because I felt so gross and it was just like a nasty habit that I picked up and I didn't even realize I would joke about because I'd be like yeah, like, you know, when I'm just like, when I don't, like, when I eat too much, I just throw up. And like, I just thought was like, you know, whatever, it's a normal thing. Like, everyone does that. But it was then a normal thing to, like, binge. And, like, I noticed yeah. that that was something I started to not rely on, but, like, it became, like, a safety net. Like, if I was ever having a bad day or if I just was really stressed out, I knew I could order that box of pizza, eat it all, and feel sick, and then, like, you know, force myself to throw up or just force myself to like feel my stomach like dying because literally now I have so many stomach problems because of it but you know like you're not supposed to like eat that much in one sitting it's like not good for your stomach at all so like, now I'm just dealing with those the of like so many years of doing that to myself mm-hmm. and I think it was just something that it became easy like it was a not a quick fix for for that moment of like you know, I don't have to think about my problems. I'm too busy upsetting my face with food. And now, after like talking to a therapist about it, it's just something I have to like be more mindful of. It's like, you know, when you realize you have an eating disorder, you kind of like it's always you're always going to be in recovery. There's never going to be a moment where you're completely fixed. But it's just making a conscious effort every day to like not binge. Like if I feel like binging, I need to like ask myself, well, you know, why? Why do you want to do that? What's making you feel that way? And maybe you should like. My therapist gave me great tips. She's like, okay, whenever you feel like you want to order that box of pizza just let it feel better, she was like, give it 20 minutes. And then during those 20 minutes, like write something, ask yourself why you want to do that. And if in 20 minutes, you still feel like eating a pizza, order a pizza. Just don't eat the whole thing or like, don't force yourself to feel sick. And that was something I'm not putting in terms of because now, luckily, like as I said earlier with TikTok, like, it's surprisingly, everyone says, God forsaken app, but for me, it's <laughs> Because, you know, there's a lot of people that, there's this woman I follow, and is Brittany, and she's, like, 20-something. She's in college as well, but she posts every day. She's, like, what I eat um, in a day, recovering from an eating disorder. And she um, originally was recovering from, I believe it was anorexia, and then she also was recovering from eating disorder and then back to anorexia. So she went through, yeah. two di- like, two different eating disorders three times. And so she posts every day. And she made this such helpful tip, tip that I, like, try to use now. It's called intuitive eating. And it's something that you can use when you're struggling with an eating disorder is that, you know, don't deprive yourself. I feel like so many people, when they have eating disorders, they're depriving themselves from things because, you know, they have to lose the weight or whatever. And so she was like, if you want a cookie, like, eat a cookie, and then, like, let it go. Like, and that's what it needs to be. Like, don't deprive yourself because that's how you end up binge eating because, you know, you tell yourself you can't because you can't have about that cookie all week long to when you order like 12 cookies. And mm-hmm. so it's like i tried to focus less on, you know, losing this weight fast, more so just losing this weight and being happy and not putting so much, like, pressure on myself to lose it in a certain amount of time. So now I've just been focusing on, okay, if I could go all week and not binge eat, that's, like, that's a success to me. If I could go all week and, like, you know, intuitively eat, If I want a cookie one day, I'm going to eat a cookie. If I want ice cream one day, I'm going to eat ice cream, and that's just, like, I can still lose weight and have, like, sugar and have pizza, you know, it's very much possible. And I think, luckily, seeing that on TikTok, because I saw so many people on TikTok that are actively losing weight, but they eat ice cream every day, and they're still losing weight. So it's just, you know, you're allowing your body to have what you want, but you're obviously working on portion control and not, you know, overeating Mm -hmm. to a crazy extent. So that's, like, how I have basically kind of dealt with it. I only started dealing with it literally this past, like, in the last two months, truthfully. I've been mm-hmm. having this problem all my life, but finally decided, like, let's do something about it because I realized I can't, like, lose the weight until I deal with this pressing issue. Because even if I did lose weight, I would still have this problem. And so either I would it all the way back or I would end up picking up another eating disorder, which I don't do. So I was like, it's time for me to make an active decision, you know, help myself mentally because, you know, you have to be in a good place mentally if you want to lose weight. It's not just uh, the physical aspect of it, which I wish I would have learned at a younger age and I get to deal with the emotional problems that you're having versus yeah. just trying to lose the weight.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um if anybody is listening and has struggled with a eating disorder or they're still struggling or they're trying to recover, uh, like Iona mentioned before, she mentioned therapy. I know everyone doesn't have access to, you know, healthcare or may not be included, but if you are a college student, a lot of college campuses offer um, free health, mental health services. I know I used FAMUs before, um, like a free therapy session or anything to where you can like speak to a counselor. Speak to a professional if you can, if you have you know, the access to do so, because um, like I mentioned before, talking to someone you trust is really important, but also talking to someone who is a professional is extremely important as well, um, just to give you that clear perspective of what you're dealing with mentally. Um, even if you don't struggle with an eating disorder, um, I've never struggled with an eating disorder, but I've struggled with really, really low self-esteem and Um, Because of that, I feel like even if you may not necessarily have an eating disorder, I think it's still important to talk to a professional to work through what you're going through because you can substitute, you know, the unhealthy eating habits for a while, but until you deal with the mental state that you're in, until you deal with the emotional state that you're in, you're really going to just be right back on the same track that you were before if you don't fully deal with it. Um, Start with mentally first, and then I feel like the physical... Um, aspect of it will follow because the hardest part with anything physical is getting your mind to believe that you can do whatever it is you're telling your body you can do. So again, if you, I know that everyone doesn't, you know, have access to healthcare and that is legit, but even um, there are some YouTube channels, there are um, some psychologists who have YouTube channels where they talk about, you know, low self-esteem. There is a journalist that I follow that I talked about last Um, episode who she gives really clear perspective on um, the reality of body image and how social media kind of plays mind tricks on you to make you think that the person's body looks a certain way when really it doesn't and it kind of just helps me to remember that our human bodies like is we can't compare our human bodies to social media that is not real that is filtered that is you know hours and hours of editing a photo or, or getting the right angle so so if you just need that perspective and if you don't have access to healthcare, there are, you know, free resources online that you can use as well for anyone who may be listening. Um, I kind of just wanna end with talking about where your relationship or what your relationship with your body is like now today. Um, obviously, like I mentioned before, I wanna take the pressure off of like you have to go from having an unhealthy mental state or an unhealthy relationship with your body to doing a like I mentioned before, it's a fluid thing. Some days you're going to have good days. Some days you're going to have bad days. I think we should all allow ourselves to feel whatever it is we're feeling um, on a day-to-day basis and to just play it by ear. But how would you say your relationship with your body has progressed um, from when you first began having, um, you know, body image issues back when you were in third grade even?
1: Yeah, I definitely think
0: it's, you know,
1: still a long time coming. And so mm-hmm. i'm not like i'm personally happy with who i am in my body i do want to lose weight. i like that's something people don't allow like fat people to say no like you're perfectly you are i don't want to act like i don't want to lose weight. i do want to lose weight, not only for health even just because i personally like hard work runs or smaller and i don't ever want to be skinny because i think that's what people confuse and um, mm-hmm. i think i'm like at a point where i'm really happy because You have to, like, even though how simple and cliche it sounds, you have to love the body you have to get the body you want. And Mm -hmm. so that was something I didn't realize was so important. Because, you know, looking back in high school, I hated my body so much. And now I'm like, I look good. And I wish. And so you have to wait until you're out of that. But it's like, I just, for me, my biggest thing is that I'm so happy right now with my body and how I look and everything I am. But it's like, I kind of, like, you know, I feel so bad for, you know, 17-year-old Ayana that I would look in the mirror and cry. And, like, she looks so good. Like, mm-hmm. she, looks good. she looks so good. And it's, it's so weird to talk to this person about that, but it's just, you know, I, if anything, I'm so happy now that, like, I'm glad I can reflect on that, but I just wish I wouldn't, like, I've been so hard on myself when I was younger, you know? She deserves so much more and so much more happiness. So, like, now I'm glad that I can finally, like, give that to myself, in a sense, because, mm-hmm. you know, I at the end of the day, like, no one is perfect, and everyone has this flaws, and so, like, I only have one chance at this life, and, like, that's why I've kind of been bigger about it, like, especially struggling with this for so long, like, I literally only have one body, I only have one life, like, I cannot spend it, like, hating myself, you know, yeah. that's so harmful to everything that I've accomplished, everything that I'm going to accomplish, and so I'm glad I finally gotten to a point where I'm just, like, you know, the insecurities you're looking at, no one is even noticing. No one is thinking. Yeah, and That's the biggest thing I've had to realize. No one is thinking about you as much as you think they are. Mm-hmm. And like, it sounds harsh, but it's the truth. No one is thinking about, oh, she's, she, her forehead is bloody. No one can even see it. No <laughs> one is saying, oh, his stomach pokes out a little bit. no one is looking at that. And I think we do that for ourselves, which is so exhausting. So, like, I've had to realize no one is noticing my insecurities the way I am. No one is right. pointing them out the way I am because everyone also is so worried about themselves and worried yeah. about the way they look. And so now I have finally gotten to a point where that's kind of alleviated a lot of pressure I put on myself because, especially like in the career of journalism, I put so much pressure on myself to like, you know, be this perfect image and to constantly rise and be not perfect, but look close to it. So I push myself so hard. And so it's me always learning about my appearance, making sure I'm on par, making sure I'm being a good representative of who I want to be. And it's like putting so much pressure on myself to be this perfect being. But, you know, like mm-hmm. just being me is good enough. It's great enough. Right? And I feel like that's like where I'm at right now. I'm just allowing myself to exist fully, wholeheartedly in every aspect of who I am. And I think that's just become a beautiful thing. Like, I'm no longer afraid to go to the beach and wear a two piece and like spend the entire time sitting on my towel, covering myself with my cover up because I'm scared people are going to think like my stomach looks too big. I would like to say, screw that. Now I run around on the beach and I'm doing TikToks. Like, and <laughs> who cares? Because no one's probably looking at me. And that's like the biggest thing you have to realize is that no one is as worried about your body as you are anymore. Like, I'm right. like so I'm. Kind of taking back, I had this great conversation on my podcast with a friend who basically she explained to her, therapist told her to go back to all the negative points in her childhood and change the narrative. And that's what I really, liked. that was such an aha moment for me because I was like, wow, I want to do that. So I just focusing on like, thinking about to all the moments where I was so upset or I remember them so distinctly because they were so negative and, you know, changing the narrative. And now like not being afraid to do certain things. Like, I remember someone made a joke to me in middle school, like, oh, don't jump too hard, you might cause an earthquake. And that, like, stuck with me for so long, so I worked so Mm -hmm. hard and walking lightly on my feet and being, like, this dainty, graceful five-foot-ten, like, gazelle type thing. But now I'm like, screw it. Like, no. Like, I'm going to jump as loud and hard as I want. And I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not going to associate it with my weight and, like, me being, like, fat or anything. I'm just going to be like, through you. Like, I want to jump. I'm going to jump. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to let anything stop me from enjoying my life anymore. And I feel like, oh, even though I'm 22, you know, we finally got to a point where we're thinking that way because I spent so much of my younger years so concerned about how mm-hmm. people perceived my life and how I couldn't do this because, you know, that would cause that. And I couldn't wear that because it makes people look at that. But like now I'm just looking for me. And I think that's the best place to be
0: at that's awesome I love that so much so 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 much um you touched on so many things that I was like I relate I relate I relate um I think the biggest takeaway from this episode if you guys you know oh sorry can you hear me yeah I can hear you okay I just thought it cut out um if there's anything that you guys take from this episode if you didn't get everything it's that number one people aren't looking at you as much as you think they are I remember someone said that to me a few years ago too and that kind of just was that was my aha moment because I was like you know what you're so right everyone is concerned about themselves Um, no one's really looking at me so I might as well focus on just me looking at me like I should focus on being happier looking in the mirror as opposed to feeling self-conscious every time I go out in public Um, another huge thing was um, that I mentioned earlier was being insecure about my height because I was always like the tallest person, tallest girl in class or taller than most of the boys. And I have really bad posture still to this day from that, because I would try and kind of like scrunch down and it's like, why should I scrunch down? Like, I remember when we would take pictures, like, you know, everyone's head was pretty much leveled out and then mine would be like way higher than everyone else's. So I'd scrunch down or like scrunch my back. And I I have such bad posture, which I'm correcting, but it's like, it's little things that we don't realize that we do to like minimize ourselves. When it's like, this is fully who I am. I'm tall. I'm built whatever way that I'm built. I'm not going to be apologetic about the way that I was created, about the way that I look. And if anything going forward, um, and if anything that you didn't catch in this episode, the people listening, it's that at the end of the day, you are the only person who has a say with how you look. You are the one who has to be satisfied with how you look. So outside opinions or outside looks or little comments like the you know the comment you were sharing on about someone saying that you know you jumping like people don't realize like they can be joking but that really does leave a lasting impression on how we see ourselves. But if anything that can tie up this whole episode, it's that your relationship with your body is just that outside opinions, outside forces are at the end of the day irrelevant. And you have to make sure you get to a place where you're healthy, not just physically, but mentally. And that at the end of the day, when you're laying in bed or when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, that no matter how you look mentally, you're okay with yourself. Um, I hope you guys really all took something away from that. And I hope that we are progressing as a society when it comes to body image, but I know we have a very, very, very long way to go. But if anything, I'm glad that we are starting to redefine what it means to be healthy, and we're taking the pressure so much off of you know the skull and just irrelevant or you know very biased ways that we measured health, such as BMI. There have been so many studies that have you know proven that that is not necessarily healthy, and that there's just so many things that we thought were normal ways to measure health that we're kind of throwing those things out and redefining what it means to be healthy. Ayana, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and I want you guys to listen to her podcast, Black Sat Fashion. You can find it, you know, where you listen to podcasts and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and things like that. But thank you so much, Ayana, for coming on and sharing your story and being vulnerable.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, of course, and you're always welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and next episode I will have another special guest come on and tell their story as well. I hope you all got something out of this, and I hope that you all know that you're beautiful, including you, Iona.